Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. When you step out in faith, expect people to laugh. You see, most people walk and live by sight more than faith and belief. When we tell people about heaven or hell or changed lives or people being delivered from cancer, marriages being restored, people cured of addictions, all of those things, well, the world laughs. But I want to tell you today, don't focus on those who laugh. You just keep doing what God called you to do. Living a life of faith is met with multiple challenges that come from many different directions. Not only do we struggle with our own internal faith, but we're also challenged by the doubt, ridicule, and suspicion of others. As much as we'd like to praise God for the miraculous or ask Him for such, we often get deterred by the mockery of others. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark encourages us to press forward in our faith and to ignore the ridicule of others. Today we learned that no matter how much discouragement we might face, our continual faith is a witness to others. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, Impossible is an Oxymoron. God is never early and God is never late. I'm sure the disciples are saying, Jesus, you blew it. You're late. Now you're too late. But he wasn't too late. He wasn't too late at all. You might be out there this morning and you're impatient. We all are. You see, to me, I wish God was always early. When I have a need, when I have something done, and when I think God's going to do it this way, I, I wish he was early. He's never early. In fact, to me, he's always late. How about you? Some of you this morning are like, okay, you promised, where are you? He's never early. He's never late. He's right on time. So the longer I live, the more I understand that, the more I have to trust. Just relax this morning. God's timing's perfect. Keep praying. Keep trusting. The miracle, oh, it's on the way. So what does Jairus do? He, he does that. He puts cotton in his ears. And they just begin walking to the home. Now, when they walk to a, a home, it's different than in our days. You know, today, the last time you were in a, a funeral home, what was, the, what was it like inside the funeral home? Tell me. Shh, very quiet. Very sedate. That horrible organ music in the background. And, you know, there's mourning and it's hard. It's very difficult. Well, that was very different in the days of Jesus. We read verse 23, when Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd. You see that the Jews, well, they had a different way to look at death. 
Number one, there were paid mourners who would come. And notice they're already at work when Jesus gets there. She's dead. They're weeping. They're wailing. They're singing. They're playing flutes. If you were a flute person, you made big bucks because you went to all the... And they're clapping their hands. Oh, and they're going through all of this emotion. Very loud compared to the way we do things today. Well, when Jesus sees this... By the way, if you were Jairus and you just heard Jesus say, don't believe them or it's going to be fine. If you're Jairus and, and you're walking toward your home and pretty soon as you're getting around the corner, you hear these mourners. What's, what's happening to your faith? I'm being drained right out. I'm thinking, how is this going to work? I mean, Jesus said it's going to be okay, but here's the mourners. And there was many of them because he was rich. They're all out there. They're making all this noise. Jesus gets there and these mourners are, are basically saying to him, why are you doing here? You can't do anything. It's, it's over. It's, it's impossible. Well, look what Jesus says in verse 24. He says to the mourners, uh, short work day. You're only going to get paid for half a day. Go home. Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. Spiritual term meaning spiritually dead. She is physically dead. She is gone. Same with Lazarus. Jesus would use the same terms. Dr. Luke tells us in his gospel that she was really dead exactly, and he was the doctor. When the servants came and said she was dead, she was dead. The mourners prove it. You'll see later that Jesus proves it as well. When Jesus said for the mourners to leave, how did they react? Look at land in verse 24. But they what at him? They laughed at him. Next step you want to write. When you step out in faith, expect people to laugh. You see, most people walk and live by sight more than faith and belief. When we tell people about heaven or hell or changed lives or people being delivered from cancer, marriages being restored, people cured of addictions, all of those things, well, the world laughs. But I want to tell you today, don't focus on those who laugh. You just keep doing what God called you to do. Let me ask you to write this second thing down. Don't get upset. A changed life proves God is real. A changed life proves God is real. Michael Levine says this, a pessimist is someone who complains about the noise when opportunity knocks. Let that soak in for a moment. A pessimist is someone who complains about the noise when opportunity knocks. By and large, I try to stay around people that are optimistic, that look at life positively. Because if I hang with people that are pessimists, you know what happens to me? It rubs off on me. Because my sin nature, your sin nature, is kind of negative. I look at that, that can't ever be done. That won't work. That'll never happen. And you hang around those people enough, and you know what? You, you sound just like them. And we become like them. Jesus says to those pessimists, get out of the room. I don't want you around here. So there's times in your life that God's going to call you to do some things. And you, you just have to put cotton in your ears. People are going to laugh at you. They're going to make fun of you. It's okay. If God said it and it's provable in his word, he's going to do it. 
You just wait. And when it happens, don't laugh back. I tell you so. I tell you so. Hey, half the time you didn't believe it. Right? I remember when we bought this land. There's nothing here but cows. I'm not a farmer. We walk in this place and cows and God had just said, this is where you're coming. This is where you're going to be. And there's nothing around. Uh, today, there's just a couple homes around. Thousands more getting ready to be built. This road's eventually going to go to six lanes. We just bought more land. We're working on more. Well, did God know that way back 12 years ago before? You know, we only bought this like eight or nine years, seven years ago or something. Did he know about it? Absolutely. People laugh, go, Minton, West Melbourne. That's where that old saloon is there on five, whatever, out there. And then you can play honky-tonk music or whatever in this place. But see, you have to just what? You just have to believe. And you don't want to be around pessimists. That'll never work. We don't want to land. That'll never work in this town. Nobody will ever come. What are you do with all those tickets? Give them away? Pay money for people to come? You're going to pay them to come? You say nobody talks like that. I won't ask you to raise your hand. That's all right. You see, if God said it, that's what faith is. If he says it to your heart, by the way, there are times when God will speak to you that you don't want to say it to anybody else. You just keep it to yourself. God will take care of it. He'll bring it. He'll bring it. So this is what Jairus does. He, he just doesn't listen. Jesus says, put those people out. I don't care about them. Verse 25. And a- after the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took the girl by the hand. Actually, in uh, Luke, it says... As he took her by the hand, Luke 8.55 says, her spirit returned and she stood up. Her spirit returned first. Why? Because she was dead. The real core of you is spirit. You see, the rest of your life, the physical part doesn't matter unless your spirit's renewed. See, if your life isn't changed, if Jesus doesn't come to live in you, the rest of the things in the world don't don't matter. If the spirit has to come first, then you can get up and be about the business that God has called you to. Well, this is exactly what happened. Her spirit comes. And God just says, basically in his words, our little girl, I say to you, get up. And she gets up, raised from the dead. Let me ask you, how many changed lives in that room? Just a little girl? No, remember, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him in there, plus the parents. How many changed lives? What do you think the disciples do when they saw the little girl up and walk out? What do you think the parents did? How about the flute player outside? Incredible, because then he said, give her something to eat. She walks out eating a falafel. Unbelievable. And a minute ago, they're playing for her. Well, strike up different music, whatever. We're going to work the whole day. It's going to be a party now. You see, those changed lives was all about it. Well, we know that happened because look at verse 26. News of this spread through all that region. I want you to write this. People are searching for a change to their life. Yesterday at the baptism, I was really encouraged. We have people give testimonies. Usually we do it at the beach, but you know, in the winter we, we do it in heated pools, whatever. And... This lady stepped forward, I'm guessing in her mid-30s, and she just said, I have to say this, for months I drove by this church and I saw all the activity and stuff and I thought, man, I need to go there, but it's, it's too big. 
She kept driving by and kept driving by. And one day, for some reason, she came in. She said, well, man, it isn't too big. I got to know people and whatever. And hello, that's what we're trying to tell everybody. She got saved. This is less than six months ago. Well, she was there to get baptized. So she gave her testimony, was crying. And we were all kind of a little bit crying out because I love to hear people how God brings them here. She got saved. She got baptized. Well, just after she gives her testimony, this other lady sitting next to her says, I have to thank so-and-so because a month ago, she invited me to this church. And now I got saved and I'm getting baptized. That's how it works. You see, one changed life tells another their life changed. And that's the way the world is. It's not built by mass rallies. It's by you having a life changed. And you just simply tell it. And that was a perfect illustration of how God works. Well, when this little girl comes out, it's not just about Jairus and his daughter. It's about that anybody could have a changed life. Well, Jesus isn't over. Look at verse 27. As Jesus went on from there, two blind men followed him. That's an oxymoron. <laughs> Obviously, they had friends or they're seeing eye dog, whatever. Two blind men followed him, crying out, Have mercy on us, son of David. Matthew, this is the first time we see that term, son of David. Why? Jesus is writing to the Jews. The Jews knew in prophecy that the Messiah, this is a Messianic term, the Messiah would come through the line of their King David. Somehow, these blind men had faith that this man, Jesus, was that Messiah. And that's the term they used. Blindness, another impossible situation. Bleeding for 12 years, impossible. A woman that, well, a daughter that is dead, impossible. Two blind men, impossible. Verse 28. When he had gone indoors, the blind men came to him and he asked them, Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Now, why did Jesus do that? You see, sometimes when I pray for other people, I can have a lot of faith for them. But sometimes when I need somebody to pray with me, I don't have a lot of faith for myself. What Jesus is saying to these men is, you've asked me to heal you, you believe I can. I want you to hear you say it with your own mouth, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you say it, you believe it, you, you say it. Out of the mouth, the heart speaks really. You say it. And so as they say it, notice what they say, yes, Lord. Now, how do, you believe they, how do you believe they came to Jesus when they said here, have mercy on How do you believe they came? I believe, and they may not have knelt down, but I believe they did this. Help! See, they weren't ashamed. They swallowed their... And they asked for help. I thought of this often. In our last story with Jairus, what if Jairus never came? What if he believed Jesus, but he never came to Jesus to ask? She'd have died and remained dead. These men humble themselves. They don't care who's listening. They don't care who's around. They go, I need help. And you're the one that can do it. Matthew 29, then he touched their eyes and, well, and said, according to your faith. Whose faith? Their faith. They don't know much. They believe he's the Messiah. According to your faith, it will be done for you. And their sight was restored. 
How quick? How do you do that? You know, if you go to the doctor and have an eye test, they put those little atropine drops in there. You got to put that black thing on. You drive, look like a weirdo driving in your car because your eyes can't be, they're, you know, like big, beautiful eyes forever. Takes hours to get over. Just takes two blind men, healed instantly. How do you do that? Well, when you're God, nothing's impossible. He's the creator. Incredible miracle. Incredible. Well, Jesus warns them sternly, see that no one knows about this. I don't know why Jesus said this to these people. No one shuts their mouth. They go everywhere telling them what happened. Well, is Jesus done? No. Their act of faith healed them. They shouted. They said, we have a need. The woman said, if I can touch. Jairus said, if you'll come. Active faith. Verse 32. While they were going out, a man who was demon-possessed and could not talk was brought to Jesus. And when the demon was driven out, the man who had been mute spoke. Those of you that have two-year-olds, you're looking, da-da, mama. You're looking for the, here's a man that's mute, he's healed, and he has full range of language. Some of you know friends that have had a stroke. It affects them, and sometimes they have to learn their whole speaking ability over. Instantly, this man is able to communicate. That's impossible. Not with God. It says, the crowd was amazed and said, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. You see, as the disciples and as you and I have gone through these four incredible, impossible situations, it was a visual picture for the disciples. They had learned that day, 12 years with an incurable disease, not impossible for God. They had learned that even a 12-year-old who's dead, well, that wasn't impossible for God. Physical blindness wasn't impossible for God. Demon possession and a person that was mute because of it was not impossible for God. You would say, what a great way to end. Well... That's not how Matthew ends it. We have a dark picture in verse 34. But the Pharisees, the religious rulers, what do they say about these miracles? Now, they know they happen. They can't say they didn't happen. So what do they do? It is by the prince of demons that he drives out demons. A stupid statement. Doesn't even make sense. They said, well, Jesus is a demon. He works for Satan. And he casts out Satan. Hello? What does that show us? The Pharisees refuse to obey. They refuse to obey. That shows me that miracles don't always convince a person of their need of God. See, they wouldn't swallow their pride. They were wrong, but they weren't teachable. I want you to see these things and I want you to write them down. There are some things that are impossible for God. Well, Pastor Mark, you you just said there's nothing impossible with God. Well, these are. These are the exceptions. Number one, God cannot lie. The Bible tells us that he never goes against his word. He can't lie. Number two, the Bible says that God cannot fail. His plans and purposes will be fulfilled, period. It's because he's God. There's another one I don't have enough there. It won't take time today, but it, it relates to our teaching. God cannot be pleased without faith. 
Do you have faith this morning? Do you have faith? See, he can't be pleased. He's not pleased with stuff. He's pleased with faith. But maybe the one that focuses what the Pharisees were saying is this last one. God will not overrule person's free will. See, if you could have taken the Pharisees and stood all four of those situations up in front of them. Jairus' daughter raised from the dead. Women 12 years with a hemorrhage, healed totally. Stop. Two blind men, they, they see perfectly now. Here's a guy that was demon-possessed and mute. He's speaking about the things of God. What are they going to do about that? They refused to obey. So it can come to a part in your life that God, could God make them believe? Absolutely. Will he? No, he will not. So it comes down to the most important thing in your life and my life. It's choosing to believe that God is real and that God can change any life. First, some of you are not believers. You're not a Christian. The enemy says to you, you've sinned, you've gone too far, you've destroyed your life, it'll never work, it won't work for them, it won't work for you, it might work for somebody else. Don't even think about becoming a Christian. You just stuff cotton in your ear today. Jesus is saying to you, if you die today and you don't know where you're going, you need him. He's the source of everything. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. At the end of the service, I'll give you an opportunity to come over here and accept Jesus Christ. Don't you leave this building without his peace and his joy. See, your spirit first. Nothing else really matters. Second, in this room are lots of you facing impossible situations today. Impossible for you. You're hopeless. You're facing... Well, you just need a touch of Jesus. For some of you in this room, your marriage is dying. It's already dead. Others of you are single and divorced. You're desiring a godly spouse, but it just that person that he or she doesn't seem to be coming. Some of you have a physical illness that's not improving. In fact, like Jairus' daughter, it's getting worse. For some of you, you have a son or daughter. They're prodigals. They're away from God. They're not serving God. For some of you, you failed. You're here and... You look like a Christian, and but if I see you on Tuesday night or Thursday morning, man, you're at a place you shouldn't be. You're doing stuff you shouldn't be, and you know it. And that sin, that sin that the Hebrew says so easily besets you. You'd be shocked out of your mind if somebody knew what you were doing. Well, God does. And you're, you're so frustrated with yourself. That's it. To you, it's impossible. You can't get over it. You can. Some of you are here this morning, and you're in a f- serious financial need. It's in a hopeless situation. It's an impossible situation. Some of you have a work situation. You don't know what's going to happen at work. It, it just isn't going to work out. But see, this morning, if you'll swallow your pride, Jesus is the solution to your problem. Nothing is impossible with God. When Jesus walked into the lives of these people, everything that was impossible became possible. Whenever we are faced with trials or times of desperate need, we are sometimes met with mockery and ridicule as we call out to God in faith. Oftentimes, we experience even more ridicule when we share our praise with others of how God answered us in our time of need. In today's message, Pastor Mark encouraged us to do our best to ignore this ridicule and remain steadfast in our faith, which is a testimony of God. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In the Bible, we frequently come across passages that refer to people as sheep. Due to our human nature, we typically end up moving and flowing with the current of pop culture, society, and politics without even really noticing it. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will expand upon the sheep analogy of Scripture and how we need shepherding just as much as any actual sheep would. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Palmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurry